Hello, I'm Noel C. Guevara, and welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. If you're looking for space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. My kids have done the same. It's been a formative part of my faith, my identity, my family, and even my career. And just a side note here, because I'll talk a lot about the church. And what I mean by that isn't necessarily my current church where I attend and worship and work, but what we often refer to as the Big C Church, which in my context and location is a way of talking about sort of the American evangelical church. It is a broader brushstroke, so some things that are true about the church, the Big C Church, may not specifically be true about every church or my church. Hopefully that will make more sense as we get into it. So here's the reality, my reality with the church. Some of my best memories and experiences and relationships were formed in the church. Some of my most painful memories and experiences and relationships were formed in the church. Both things are true, and sometimes this tension is overwhelming. In the tossing sea of the church, we ride waves of support and betrayal, of healthy and toxic relationships, of care and abuse, of growth and decay, of being all in and being tossed out. And in these waves that sometimes cradle us and other times crush us, we are somehow supposed to remain tethered by hope that anchors our soul. We are told we have this hope as an anchor, that it is firm and secure. We are told that Jesus is way, truth, and life, the fixed point we can set our eyes upon in the tossing to and fro. And these words are true, but they also feel hollow when the people saying these words look and sound nothing like a Jesus we want any part of. I suppose as a pastor that maybe I'm not supposed to say these kinds of things, As someone called to love and care for God's people, I suppose I should have a higher view of them. But God works in me through this tension and in the nuance of how I love people deeply and honestly. And the hard and holy truth is that I do love the church and I love the people in it. But still, I think I can only love them well if I'm honest about the cost of it, if I am truthful about the damage it has incurred. If I'm transparent about the stories I carry, because I have seen it all. The moral failures of men I looked up to. The friendships that turned hostile overnight. The -the behind-the-scene conflicts. The controlling of words and bodies. The abuse and the wake of carnage and collateral damage. The cover-ups and the protecting of image. The hypocrisy. The patriarchy. The racism. The consumerism the disease of Christian nationalism, the gossip and backbiting and slander. I could go on, and these things will go on. The other night I turned to Matt, who also grew up in the church and has experienced deeper hurts and harm than I can even imagine, and I asked him this question. What has kept you tethered to your faith? After all you've seen and been through, what keeps you connected to your faith and also to a faith community? We talked about this, and I won't share his story, but that conversation helped me wrestle with parts of my own.
two years ago at the time of this recording, circa May of 2020, like most of you, I was treading water amidst a global pandemic. I'd lost my support systems, at least in the physical and present ways I'd come to depend on them. I was pivoting from pastoring people face-to-face to pastoring them online, learning how to do Zoom calls and create videos and do church online, all while navigating the early e-learning debacle with four kids. Ministry life was brutal in that season, but also it all felt meaningful, and so I threw more energy into it than I had to give. I gave and I received support from the parents I pastored because we were in this together until we weren't. It was the eruption of Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the George Floyd murder. It was the powder keg that had finally been lit in so many of us. It was the opening of eyes and the closing of minds. It was the appeal of active anger instead of more passive curiosity or fear or helplessness. It was a million things and it was none of them. Our biracial family was waking up to our own realities and I have children who are watching it all burn to the ground, who were understanding more than I could keep up with, who were hurting. My kids were hurting. And that was the reality that was superimposed over all the noise and intellectual debates and political ploys. My kids were hurting. And I needed a faith community, our faith community, to care. And I was rocked by the disappointment that followed. I was disoriented by the friendships that ended abruptly. I was shaken by the ways I was publicly and privately shamed and slandered. I felt lost at sea. And I watched my kids, especially my teenager, lose their bearings in the church. I was losing them too, my bearings and my kids. And in the losing of bearings and friendships, I knew this was a harbinger of the next loss. I knew that if we didn't find some calm in this crisis, the next loss would be faith itself. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by church hurt or church disappointment that you lost your faith? for a moment or maybe much longer. Maybe you're there now in over your head with disappointment in the church or your church, or maybe those troublesome evangelicals or whatever your brand of disappointing subgroup is. If you're looking for some calm in the chaos of hurt caused by the church or the people within it, if you're looking for faithful steps forward to stay connected spiritually, if you're willing to wade through the waves together, then I am here to help. I don't have all the answers. But I have discerned some helpful practices that will lead you to connect spiritually even when you are disconnected from the church. The first practice is lament. I did a lot of reading about this practice, which is really a spiritual discipline in those long months of the spring and summer of 2020. I practiced this discipline through that long winter, and it's become a rhythm of life for me. There are a lot of words written about lament by more accomplished and eloquent theologians, so I'd encourage you to set out on a journey led by those trusted voices who speak to this at length. I won't name those trusted voices here because the truth is that one or more of them will likely fail before this podcast falls out of orbit. This is the reality of human leaders. As hard as it is, I try to separate truth from those who speak it. All truth is God's truth, and while I no longer accept truth from people I know to be abusive or otherwise harmful, 
I will listen and learn from voices that are helpful and to my knowledge at the moment, healthy. So back to the lament. The basic premise of lament is to simply pour out your heart to God with honest words and emotions. Anger, let it rip. Grief, let it flow out. Bitterness, unleash it. Raw, unfiltered, wholehearted, broken vulnerability. There is no emotion or thought, no accusation or instinct, no words or sounds that God will be surprised by. And the God who is not surprised is also not offended or put off or disappointed. When we release all of that pain, when it all comes to the surface instead of lurking in the depths of us, then he can meet it there with healing. The Psalms are full of lament. Their authors don't hold back in the words they fling at the heavens. They shout, how could you? Where are you? Why did you? Why won't you? And we don't get to witness the process, but I know it's there. In between the lines, invisible space between the words that spread out in the hearts of the writers, where their questions and accusations gave way to broken silence where God did his best work. We don't get to read about it because the Psalms are poems and songs, not narratives. But I know the narrative because it's mine too. The story that moves from deep pain to exhausted release to a meeting of my spirit with the divine spirit and then and only then sings my soul, how great thou art. How great is this God who does not flee or judge the things that flow from the dark depths of us, but rather draws near and hovers over the deep and brings healing over and over. Because it does take time, and this spiritual practice requires lots of practice to connect our spirit to God's spirit over and over again. And the bad news is that we will have new things to lament all the time. Even this week, I'm reminded in new cycles and private conversations how much we have to lament for and about. I don't say this dismissively. I hate when people throw out, Christians are humans too, and hurt people hurt people, and Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Like it's an excuse to accept poor behavior without accountability or restitution. You'll need to exercise some wisdom and discernment in deciding which spaces include the kind of human error that you can work through and which spaces allow abuse or sin to fester without any course correction. I've recently named that I will no longer remain in spaces where I am disrespected or dismissed. People will sometimes disrespect or dismiss me, and it's my job to set a boundary and own my part in it, if any. But if a space requires me to tolerate that disrespect or dismissiveness, if a space is persistently characterized by those things or my submission to them, that space is not for me. Even still, the reality is that I'll experience things and behaviors I don't like, and even if I set a boundary, I'll practice lament for having to set boundaries in the first place. And I lament the pain and the disappointments of the greater church and the people who co-opt it from the inside because even if I don't live in that space, I'm still affected by it physically and emotionally and spiritually. So I practice lament, offering up words and sitting in stillness and inviting healing. The next practice is abiding. John 15 gives us this beautiful picture of vines that flourish and bear good fruit because life flows through them. Abiding is a less concrete practice. 
Lament comes with some instructions, a host of resources that prompt you with practical steps. Abiding is less about doing and more about being and friends. That's a hard one for me, but it's the only way to stay connected spiritually. Scripture is crystal clear about this one. The source of life itself has grafted us in, has offered us the gift of life coursing through us, has promised to bear good fruit out of us. All we have to do is abide, which is to say that everything we do must come back to this. To abide is to continue without wandering, without fading, without disconnecting. And when we are nursing our wounds from God's church and his children, there is no more tempting lie than the one that tells us we'll be better off disconnected from God himself. And in the disconnecting from God who is life, we wither, we decay, we produce nothing. That phrasing from John 15 is interesting. It does not tell us we can't produce anything. Because the truth is we can produce all sorts of things apart from God. I know I have. And apart from God, I've seen churches and pastors do the same. In the church, we talk a lot about spiritual disciplines, things like reading the word and praying. And these disciplines are not the same as abiding. You can pray words and read the word and disconnect from the word himself. These disciplines will only lead you in the direction that your heart truly desires. But at the end of myself, in the desperation of seeking connection with God, even as I experience a disconnect from his church, my heart longed to be grafted into the giver of life, and these rhythms helped me abide in Jesus. I begin my morning in God's word with a hot cup of coffee and usually my She Reads Truth study. This sets not just the tone of my morning, but my intentions for the day. Before I hit the ground running, I ground myself in God's word that speaks truth to my soul. Then at night, I close my day with prayer. This is a newer rhythm for me. I needed some practices that would help me develop a rhythm of prayer, so I used a couple of apps that walk me through contemplative prayer. They are a guide to simply being, to recognizing God's presence and resting in it before I go to sleep. This has become something I look forward to each night, and it helps me drift off as God restores my soul. So these spiritual disciplines, while they are in and of themselves not abiding, they really do help me um, sort of become more aware of God's presence and practice abiding throughout my day and evening. So where lament is raw and active, abiding is more of an awareness, noticing where God is in and all around you and remaining connected to that presence. Rhythms lead us to notice and connect but ultimately, we have to practice the discipline of living and moving and being in Jesus. So if it feels like there should be a third point here, you may be an evangelical. And in the breaking of rhythms that are connections to nowhere, I'm not going to add a third principle or rhythm or practice just to give you some sort of holy trinity. If you can make lament and abiding rhythms of your soul, if those rhythms become so natural and ingrained that they feel as natural as breathing, then you'll be able to find your calm in any sort of faith crisis and take a faithful step forward instead of being overwhelmed to the point of losing faith. You may have noticed that I did not make any points here about going to church or staying at your church or finding a new church. This is not because I don't value church or faith community. Hopefully, my calling as a pastor at a church speaks to how much I value it. But I do think we have to disconnect the conversation about faith community from the conversation about faith when 
damage has been done by the former that threatens the latter. While these two things are intertwined, and I believe that a healthy faith community is integral to a healthy faith, I do think that when we've been hurt by the church, we first need to find our way back to the source of life itself. We need to begin with life and its giver so that we can allow him to graft us back in and provide us with the nourishment we need to be a healthy part of a healthy faith community. Whether you take faithful steps forward towards these things concurrently or you move towards them one after the other, the hope that grows out of this dark season of the soul will be your anchor, holding you steady as you find your calm and remain spiritually connected. Staying connected spiritually, remaining tethered to or by your faith in the midst of feeling disconnected from the church is hard and it's holy. It's a long obedience in the same direction, to quote Eugene Peterson. And this long obedience might keep you in your faith community, or it might lead you to find a new one, or it might lead you out into the wilderness of solitude to commune with God's spirit instead of his wayward children for a season. Let the Spirit guide you in discerning which faithful step is right for you. Here is where the Spirit led me. We found some calm on the other side of that hard season. Not immediately or easily. It was ugly and messy, and there are some things I would probably do differently knowing what I know now. But here on the other side, hope held as the anchor for our souls. My kids still have some hard words for the church and those that act a fool inside of it. But even my teenagers retain faith as they remain connected to the God who is with us through it all. My story hasn't ended, so I can't say it has a happy ending, but it does have joy in the chapter that's being written today. Two years ago, I lost nearly all of the friendships I had built in my church where I pastored and where I still pastor. I nearly lost my voice too, which I think was the hardest part and the part I fought back the hardest from. It's part of the reason why you are listening to my voice today. This podcast, in part, is the agency and calling that I reclaimed. But it turns out that the waves that tossed me tossed others, too. The loss I experienced was being experienced by others, too. And there was a sense of being thrown overboard, of losing the thing that I thought had long held me and kept me safe. But out there in the deep, I found fellow survivors, or we found each other. The amazing truth about connecting spiritually is that the God who dwells in and with us will always lead us to others who he indwells too. I look at the faith of my kids here on the other side, and I'm inspired by the brave wrestling that happens there. I am challenged by the hard questions that spring up there. I am hopeful because of the mystery that remains in it all in their faith, in mine, in the church that's a remnant of what was, and in the God who we remain connected to through it all. Here's what I know. Faith is not produced in a vacuum of toxic or false positivity. It is forged in the fires of doubt, hammered and honed while soft and vulnerable by honest questions that are surely met with God's presence. There is courage in the wrestling, and God joins you there, bent low to roll around with you in the dust of the earth. We lament, and the God who is comforter draws near. We abide, and the God who is life breathes life back into us. Today, as we close, I'm going to lead you in a next faithful step. 
a lament. This prayer of lament is loosely based on a template from the She Reads Truth study, Morning and Dancing. This study is a fantastic resource if you want to walk through scripture through the lens of lament. I'll break the prayer down into smaller segments, prompt you with a phrase or a question, and then give you some time for you to offer up your words and emotions and questions to God. So let's begin. First, we make our appeal. Name what you seek from God. This is your cry for help. Then name what you know to be true about God, about his very nature and character, or what good or mighty work he's done in the past. So in making your appeal, you name what you seek from God and name what you know to be true about God. Take a moment to make this appeal to God. What would you desire God to forgive you for? What problem exists outside of you? What problem, what sin to confess exists inside of you? Name the struggle. this statement, but even still, God, you are what? How can you trust in God? What promise do you cling to? Speak in faith, even still, God, you are. Now we petition. What are you asking God to save or deliver you from? How did God intervene in scripture? Name what you're asking God to save you from. Name a way God petition. Finally, we move forward in confidence, giving praise. Finish the statement, naming a hopeful posture towards God, but I will what? What phrase expresses why or how you can hope? knowing that God hears you, and then give praise. What will you proclaim about God? Why will you praise him? So giving praise, finish the statement, but I will, and then proclaim something true about God. Why do you praise him? Psalms 13, a plea for deliverance. This is a Psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? 
consider me and answer, Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Thank you for joining us today for episode five of the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm hopeful it will help you find your calm so you can take faithful steps forward as you connect with your faith, even as you feel disconnected from the church. I have just one more episode planned for this first season of the Find Your Calm podcast, and then I'll be taking some time off to discern my next faithful step forward. This project has been a fun experiment, and I've yet to decide what's next. So I would love to hear from you if you've enjoyed this podcast and would like more company in finding your calm, let me know. Um, here's a simple way to connect. Just send me a DM on Instagram. You can find me over there as Noelle C. Guevara. Uh, this week, I'll put a fun little box up on Instagram where you can share your thoughts, but I always love hearing from fellow Horizon Seekers in my inbox too. It's been such a privilege to connect with you in various ways, and I've had so much fun putting words out there into the podcast universe. I'm so grateful to serve as your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together.